Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 21 Mr. Benedict Nails stands amidst the rubbish in a forgotten drawer in the bottom of a writing desk, tucked in the corner of his living room, and watches a burning Roman legionary rout the army of a goblin king, and takes it amazingly all in his stride. He is ecstatic, he is fearful, but he is not confused. This all seems perfectly normal to him. As far as he knows, this is what the world is like. Everyone is tiny, everyone is mad, bizarre things happen to them, and they are all ghosts. This is his world now. He no longer, after all, remembers any other world. He knows that he was once large and alive, that this is his flat, his writing desk, his tiny metal Roman, but he does not feel it. It is like an historical fact, half learned at school, indubitable but not believable. All he remembers, really, is this world, this world of tiny ghosts, of libraries of memories, of mysterious witches. This is because he just gave away his last remaining memory to Marcus Flavius Aquila, a memory of such significance, whatever it was, that it has given him extraordinary power, power that his enemies now quail and flee before. Down the dark valley the Roman walks inexorably, his head sheathed in a raging fire, and into the shadows run the army of the goblin king, up the hillsides and into the jungle of wires and rubbish, until the only sound is the crackling victory of Marcus Flavius Aquila, who returns now, his own small band picking themselves up, all coming to cluster round Benedict where he lies. Marcus extends a flaming hand to him, and Benedict is not at all surprised to find that it is quite cool to the touch. Come, Benedict Nail, I must tell your story back, says Marcus. We must share, and that way neither lack no, says Benedict, and he is finally surprised, this time at his own family. No, it is yours. It is a gift uh, in return for everything you've done for me. Marcus looks at him seriously, still holding on to his hand. This is a kindness, and I shall not turn it down, says Marcus. We may need such stories before we make it home. And that's where you should be going, says Benedict, because I am here apparently, although I have no idea why or what I'm supposed to do. Here is the end of a long valley between piles of discarded nonsense, one side of it made by the sheer length of a T-shaped ruler. It is propped up on one arm of the T so that under it is a triangular opening from which glows a strange green light. Benedict knows that this is a witch's cave, although he is no longer sure of why this is important. I know only this, Benedict, says Marcus, that you are not dead, like us small ghosts, but still live instead, and that you think the witch has put a curse on you, a curse that she may yet undo. Well, it sounds as likely as anything else, says Benedict. I can't think what else to do, other than to say thank you, Marcus Flavius Aquila, for all you have done for me, and thank you, Benedict Nail, for your gift of story says Marcus, and for giving us all this hour of glory. And Marcus squeezes his hand once more, beckons to his company, 
and leads them away once more down the valley with his blazing head at the front. Benedict stands and watches them go, turning out of sight behind another hill, and then the glow of the fire diminishing and the shadows drawing in again. Then he turns and, hesitating only briefly, steps under the ruler into the green light beyond. He is surprised to find that inside the cave it is not nearly as lurid and ghastly as he had been expecting. This is not the phosphorescent green glow of putrescence or the treacherous wavering green of corpse light. In fact, the glow comes from a green fairy light bound up in a bit of ribbon fastened to a small sprig of fake plastic fur. A Christmas ornament, in fact, which forms the roof of this small cave behind the ruler. The green light in turn flashes off the plastic of the ruler and sparkles on the brass of the drawing pins and paper clips embedded in the walls. It is like being in a mine of precious gems and rare metals. And in the middle of it all sits the witch. The green light above her highlights the crude carving of her face, but there is the glimmer of a smile on her lips, and she does not look nearly as sinister as Benedict fears. Come in, Benedict Nail. She says as he appears, Here are the rules. You get just three questions, so don't be a fool. Hang on a minute, says Benedict, taken aback. This is a bit quick. I, I don't even know why I'm here in the first place. And that, I'm afraid, says the witch, whose voice is creaky but warm like old wood, is a question the first. You are here because, my child, you were cursed. By you, yes. Wait, uh, that's not a question, says Benedict before she can answer. My question is, why? Why did you curse me? Question two, says the witch. And if you would know the reason, tell me what time of year it is. What is the season? Christmas, says Benedict Nail. It's, it's Christmas, I, I know that at least. Do you, says the witch, do you know it for real? Do you know what Christmas is or how it should feel? So, answer again and think carefully how, what season it is that we observe now. I see, says Benedict thoughtfully. I see. Uh, actually, what I see in my mind's eye is a teacup. Only it's, it's not a teacup, it's a hall of heroes. It's a, it's a teacup lined with glitter and turned upside down so that it makes this incredible starry dome. Uh, and under it are all kinds of objects and creatures and they're, they're all talking and, and sharing stories and they're all blazing. This is a real place, by the way. Well, as real as you or me, I've been there. It's a refuge from the darkness. And, and what they do is they, they share stories. And because they share them, they've all got them. They don't just hoard up their lives, you see, keep their memories to themselves. They tell them to each other. That way, everyone's got everyone else's stories. And they tell them back and forth. And that's how they keep everything alive and alight. So, in answer to your question, uh, that is what I think Christmas is. To be honest, I, I don't have any other memories to judge it on, but it feels right to me. Uh, everyone gathered together, sharing what they have, making merry kindling a fire in their hearts and casting a, a light against the darkness. How's that? But the witch just says, This is an interesting suggestion. And now, my boy, you have one more question. 
I suppose there's, there's only one thing left to ask, says Benedict, who is suddenly aware that he has been carrying around only one question all this time. Can I go home now? You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of The Ghosts of Christmas Presents. (laughs) 